All right, welcome into another edition of the Loud Outs Podcast. CJ Nikowski and Ryan Spielborgs. We are taping on Memorial Day, uh, early on Memorial Day, because we both have some early games today. I'm in Detroit. Billy is in uh, Denver for the Colorado Rockies game. We're excited about baseball continuing here because it's been really, really good, Billy. And I want to get to a couple of teams um, that are really starting to take off here in uh, the month of May. And I'm specifically wondering about the Seattle Mariners. The Seattle Mariners Ooh. had a rough April. They underperformed in a pretty big way. Uh, now, all of a sudden, they're playing some pretty good baseball. 16-9 so far here in the month of May. We're obviously not all the way there yet. Still have a couple of days to go. But that's the fifth best winning percentage in the league. Ironically enough, there are two other teams in the American League West uh, that are sitting at the top for best records right now, and that's the Rangers and the Astros so far here in the month of May. The Astros, I think, are coming as well. But I'm, I'm specifically focused on the Mariners because, you know, for me and having seen them already this year, and I'll see them again uh, this weekend, their pitching staff is really good. Top to bottom, it, to me, it's one of the best when you start looking at rotation, bullpen, combination of the group. They're about as thorough as anybody. I know when the Astros are fully healthy, they're probably right there as well, but they're not fully healthy right now. Lance McCullers Jr., Jose Arquiti, not expected to be back until sometime in July, and so they still have at least another month to go without those guys. To me, the Mariners have the best pitching staff in the game. They have been waiting on, however, uh, some of the bats to get going here a little bit. And now that we're starting to see it, uh, if you're anybody else in the American League West, I would be concerned. The Seattle Mariners uh, certainly not uh, got off to the start necessarily that they were hoping, um, but this is a good team and it feels like they're coming. 28 and 25, three games over, five and a half games back of the Texas Rangers. They're looking like a real threat all of a sudden here in May. Yeah, well, you were right. I mean, You've seen them so many times that you kept saying, Spilly, their pitching is really good. Spilly, their pitching is really, really, really good. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. Uh, but then I would point out to you, I was like, hey, CJ, their offense is really, really bad. And the things that were standing out were on base percentage, uh, the OPS numbers, they were well below league average. They're they're 24th. And as we were watching them, we were, we were saying they have pieces. You're, you're waiting for... Julio to start, you know, driving in runs and, and hitting the ball hard. Now he's doing it. So for Julio to get going, and I think it takes a little bit of the pressure off of the bottom of the lineup because the bottom of the lineup still has their issues. Teoscar Hernandez, they've dropped him way down uh, in the lineup, and he's still hitting 233 with a 269 on base percentage. There's some there's some thump in there because they do have the ability to hit a home run. So they're starting to remind me uh, as I'm watching them. The old San Francisco Giants, 2010, 12, 14, uh, the years they won the World Series. Now, I'm not saying that they're they're going to win a World Series, but when I watched the Giants from back then, uh, the what they had was elite starting pitching. You think Tim Lincecum, you think Ryan Vogelsong, you think Matt Cain, uh, eventually Mad Bum comes into that fold. Um, then they had the back end of the bullpen with Bochy doing Bochy things. And then their offense was just good enough. They would walk, which Seattle needs to improve upon. They'd pop, they'd pop you with the homer, but then they were really good with runners in scoring position. That was their tenants. And then they played fabulous defense. The defense has improved for Seattle, and I, they have those the, the makings of if they do get into a playoff scenario, we saw it last year against Houston, they go through those long spells where they can't score. So that's going to be the biggest challenge because their pitching is good enough. Their defense is good enough. But can they be more consistent with their bats? Or if you do have guys on base, can you do? Can you be more creative to score runs? Yeah. Um, right now, it's runs scoring for Seattle, they're 14th. So 
they're right around the average of, of being able to score runs, but everything else, they're suppressing runs. It's a tough place to score runs in Seattle. I think they're better on the road offensively than at home. So yeah, they're a good team. They're, they're a good team, but they do need to find ways to get better offensively. And I don't know what the answers are for them there um, because a lot of their moves are, they already made them, you know, they made them this off season. They made it for um, trying to get Teoscar and, and getting Colton Wong. Those are, those are moves that they made. So I don't, I don't know if they add additional offense. And if you were, I mean, you see them, Ty France is your first baseman. So where, mm-hmm. where did they try to add? Yeah, so that's the thing, right? It's because you have a couple of guys that have underperformed. Do you sit there and wait it out? We know Colton Wong had some real struggles over there. Uh, Caballero was a, has been a nice story, but he started to slow down a little bit, although he is getting on base. All right, the other kind of pieces, I think we, we're, you're in a situation where you're pretty comfortable, <clears throat> excuse me, what you have in the outfield, what you have over at third base. Um, you know, Cal Raleigh starting to swing it now a lot better, right? He got off to a really slow start over the last couple of weeks. Now he's hitting 318. The slugging is up over 600. He's had three home runs over that time. Like that was a bat that they had been waiting for. And so I think they can continue to be patient. And I think they do have enough pieces there. Uh, could they get creative and find that one bat in one spot? Um, potentially. Like J.P. Crawford's locked in. It's short. We know, of course, that Julio Rodriguez is locked in in center. Um, so I don't know necessarily if there'll be a spot just yet. I think if, you know, Jared Kelnick were to fall off and he started to slow down a little bit, but I think I think the changes that he has made are real. A lot of strikeouts for him over his last couple of weeks, 21 of those in 58 plate appearances. So that number on the rise a little bit, but overall the numbers have been really, really good. So I'm not too concerned um, about him either. I, I just think they got to wait it out a little bit. I, I don't think they would go out and try to do something necessarily at second base. I think that they like their pieces and they figure it out from there, but uh, that is one of those things. Yeah. Maybe DH, right. You know, with the uh, Hernandez situation, those are tough to come by, but I think, you know, we are seeing a couple of pretty good teams that have poured some money into their teams that aren't doing well. So as we get a little bit further along, yeah, the DH certainly could be a possibility. Hey, one last quick note on them before we move on. Uh, Julio Rodriguez continues to pretty much bat third. There was one game in there where he batted second, um, is that it? No more leadoff hitter for Julio Rodriguez, or do you think they just kind of continue uh, to keep an eye on this thing? 14 games for him now in which he is hit in the three-hole, and the OPS is 993. That's where he's gotten his most produ- uh, most production, 14 games there, compared to the 34 he had in the leadoff spot earlier this year, and he had a 271 on base. Is this as simple as he's better off in the three-hole spot, or is it maybe a better function of the lineup? Um, it was a move. It was a bold move, but a bold move for Scott Service that is working out really well. Okay, so let's let's revisit a, a conversation we had earlier in the year. It was the day after uh, Julio dropped down to the six hole, and we we had a podcast on that one. That was May, uh, what was that? May the tenth or eleventh, right right in there. So Julio had been leading off, lead off, lead off, lead off, lead off, drop him down to six. And I told you, I said, hey, listen, there was a story. Carlos Gonzalez, he got dropped down to six it hurt his heart he said something to the manager the next day he's batting third or fourth right Mm -hmm. because he knows he's the best player on the team he knows he's the best hitter on the team he knows he has this high high potential that nobody else does and he's right in thinking that both cargo and julio so here it goes you you watch the trends lead off lead off lead off bat sixth i have no idea if he went into the clubhouse and talked to scott service or not he hits third the next day fourth the day after that Bam, 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 bam. He's hitting third. So they're trying to take all the pressure off of him. I think sometimes you get that cold shower. Wait, whoa, I can't. No, no, I'm fine. 
let me hit six. Or it just reminds yourself, dude, you're confident. You're good. You could do it. You're not a six hole hitter and there's no offense to being a six hole hitter. But when you're one of the best hitters on the team, or if you have the potential to be, you don't want to be batting sixth. And I I'm okay with him hitting third. Fine. Wherever he feels that when he walks up to the plate, he struts. I need my best player to strut. I need him to roll up to the plate. Go. Yeah. (laughs) I'm one bad MF. Right. And so not afraid. Yeah, he's not. And maybe that extra one at bat that you take off his plate, maybe that's helping him. I'm not sure because we do know if over the course of a year, extrapolate a full season. Um, Three hole hitters get what it was at 30 bats less uh, than a a leadoff hitter. So maybe those 30 bats, they do make Julio a little bit better day to day. I'm not not quite sure. But I, I will say once he started hitting the ball and he's in that three spot, leave him. Yeah, I think it's working out. I think it's probably his new home, and he does seem happy and having fun. Not that he never seems like he's unhappy and not having fun, but we've also saw some frustration from him this year before he had gotten it turned around on the outside, which we had not really seen from him in the past. I want to ask you about a trend that I've kind of started to see here in the game that I don't know if I find it a little bit concerning or excuse-making. We know that, of course, there's more off days than there ever have been in the major league season. And those are welcomed, right? And you think about the comparisons to when you were coming up and I was coming up to the minor leagues with hardly any off days. You were lucky if you got one or two a month. It was a grind. That has changed at the minor league level, right? They get every Monday off now. I think they've done a really nice job with that. And in the big leagues, we added off days. But I I, I feel like I've noticed this trend where I'm seeing, not, not from players, but from people that are covering teams, uh, that, well, it was a rough stretch. They had to play, you know, 14 games in a row. They had to play 16 games in a row. I'm like, that, why is that a big deal? Like, that is exactly how the game works. It's how it's worked for a long time. We have a crazy season, right? 162 games, when you think about it, compared to the other major sports, it's incredible, right? We double up, essentially, uh, what they do in the NBA, which is the next longest season that we see of any other sport. But it's what we do, and it's what we've always done. And I just, I'm wondering a little bit if we're starting to train or starting to lean on you know, the idea that, hey, we can't do this. This is These are too many games. There's too many days in a row. I'm wondering if, you know, does pitch timer have any effect on what's happening with recovery for players? Because if you think about it, uh, you know, we, we're hearing about, well, it should be better on catchers because they're not spending nearly as much time out there. Players are not on their feet nearly as long. If anything, I feel like the recovery should be better because the games are shorter. You're not having a three-and-a-half, four-hour game every once in a while. Um, but the idea or even the sentiment that I, I feel like I've seen out there recently that how many consecutive games teams are playing in a row is an issue at all. The rule is what? 2020, I believe, is the max. If there's any kind of rainouts or anything else, you have to get approval to be able to play more than 20 games uh, in a row. But this has been going on uh, for decades. And I just I don't see it as an issue. I just felt like I've noticed some, I'll say some complaining about it or some excuse making lately for some teams that maybe have struggled because I saw like you know the longest trip they've had all year, 10 games. Big deal. A 10-game road trip. You're going to have a couple of those over the course of a season. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think there's, you know, Cubs have played their entire, uh, basically, organizational career playing more day games than everybody else. And I've seen, I mean, is that the reason why it took him over 100 years to win uh, a World Series <laughs> in 2015 or 16, whatever year that was? Uh, maybe. Fine. You want to make an excuse there? I just don't buy it. I, I also believe... Uh, in the case of a day game, multiple day games, you get in the rhythm of it. Night game, then day game. That's that's par for the course. The the biggest, you know, concern that I've always had when it comes to a night game, and then a day game the next day, 
is is just recovery for relievers. Mm. You know, you get less than 12 hours for some of these guys to, you know, throw on the mound on a Friday night and then they're throwing in a in a game Saturday, uh, you know, 12 hours away. So 12, 16 hours, I it's like you're like you're fasting. Um, for some people it's it's hard. I don't know if a full 24 hours recovery is necessary. You tell me. I mean, how did you pitch night game? If you pitched the night game, could you relieve on a day game the next day? I mean, nothing that back then an adrenaline rush couldn't take care of. You'd like to avoid it if possible. But, you know, if anything, sometimes we talk about that second day afterwards. But I think managers are more careful with their bullpens than they ever have been. They monitor everything. And again, I don't feel like this is coming from the players as much. You never know. But I just I wonder about it because, you know, we have now we've somewhat copied that NBA model, we're working on low load management to some degree and trying to rest guys. And I'm okay with that. I actually like something that the Rangers did recently a couple of weeks ago that at first caught me a little bit off guard. But you said, you know what? That actually makes a lot of sense. They have a really good rotation, but guys with some injury history. And so they decided to go ahead one day, bring up a player, a pitcher from the minor leagues. He's going to pitch on uh, on a Monday. Everyone else is just going to get an extra day off. So you're thin that day on your bullpen, one one less arm down in your bullpen if you feel like your bullpen's rested and ready to go. And then hopefully you have the piece that can replace it, right? Because if you bring a, a starter up just to give everybody else an extra day, especially if there's an off day in there, now they're getting two off days or two extra days in between a start. Of course, you got to send that guy back down and make sure you have another reliever to be able to cover. And so having optionable relievers is really important. But I, I like that part. You know, I like the idea that we're thinking about rest and, and giving guys extra time, but I mean, it just caught me a little bit uh, off guard and what I feel like I'm seeing more and more of it. And when I saw something about longest road trip of the year, 10 games, I'm like, save it. And it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, not at all. And, and you're, you're happy when you are on a road trip. If you, if you needed to go uh, get out of the house a little bit, get uh, some the, sleep. Tex- the Texas Rangers lead uh, major league baseball in OPS for day games. Uh, 852. So day games for the Rangers nice. have been really good. Uh, at night, the Rangers are, they dropped down to 10th, 745. Ooh. So 100 Two day points. games coming up here in uh, this Detroit series. That's good yeah. news, Billy. P- pretty cool. So 100 points difference on uh, their OPS between day games versus night games. The day guess games what I'm going to do today, Spelly. Are better for hitting. Guess what I'm going to do today. So I'm play by play. That is getting in the broadcast. And I might, I might even give you credit. Or I'm going to flat out steal it from you and not tell anybody that you were the one that pointed that out to me. But that is a take good... it. No, take it. Every <laughs> every good broadcaster has somebody behind them feeding them notes. Yeah, and but they, then that's and an they oppor- almost, but they almost never get the credit. So take take the credit. No, but see, then if I give you the credit, I can then talk about. I can sneak in loud outs podcast on the broadcast, Ooh. right? So uh, it works for everybody um, involved. Hey, what do you think about this, man? So I, one of the things about social media and Twitter these days is that. Um, Actually, my the uh, recommended or trending topics actually now fall into things I'm more interested in. For the longest time, they were not. And I, I think there was probably some manipulation going on there. I don't know. That's not what this conversation is about. What it is about is that I pretty consistently see A.J. Preller's name trending uh, in in my in my what's happening feed. And can't help but wonder a little bit as the Padres continue to struggle. 9 and 15 this month. They are not playing very good baseball. And they put together... Uh, what should have been a really good roster on paper. It's way too early um, to have this conversation. And we know how fans will drive these conversations on social media. And that's why you may see it trending. Um, You Darvish had a rough one. Uh, That rotation has not been nearly as good as they needed to be. Uh, The lineup has not produced at the level that we thought uh, they would yesterday. You start looking, or in general, but you start looking at some of the numbers, even uh, from that lineup they had yesterday against the New York Yankees. Uh, Is this an AJ Preller problem? Is this fans going crazy on social media? Or do you think this is something uh, maybe that comes up because they made some huge investments 
And while it was a fun run last year, it's been a lot of disappointment here so far, nearly two months into the season. And we're about a third of the way there right now uh, for the San Diego Padres. Ah, man, this one's kind of complicated, right? Because AJ's done this before. So you can't tell me it's just like a one-time thing that, that AJ, you know, put, try to put this team together with Josh Hader and uh, trading for Juan and Alexander because he's done it before. It actually cost, but black his job. Uh, I believe, what was it? 2012 was the off season when they traded for Kimbrel hmm. and, and uh, Upton jet was it Justin Upton and Matt camp. And oh, yeah, they, they went nuts. They and then they cr- completely gutted it out and said, oh, we're going to put a rebuilding plan in, which I felt like was a smart move, but also bought him more time. It's not a knock on him, but as an executive, when you get a, your front office to buy in on the, on the rebuild, that buys you more time. Yeah, so that's exactly the, the exact same thing that feels like it's happening again. It's AJ and his group saw a window. They took, they went for it. You know, they, they hit a couple guys that were really important, right? The trade for... Uh, Joe Musgrove, it'd be really hard to fire AJ Preller when when AJ goes, hold on a second. I got you Fernando Tatis Jr. for James Shields. Mm. That's a good one. <laughs> what are we talking about? Does he is he good at identifying talent? Yes. Um, has he been bad at developing players within the system? Yeah, he has. Uh, under his watch, there hasn't been significant impact players that are his. Mm-hmm. Like they, he has to trade to get them. Uh, you know, no you homegrown say, players right now in the position player side for them. No, so I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't, know if, I don't know if you count Kim even right as an international free agent. No, he doesn't count. Yeah. That's that's an outside sign. Yeah. So that's that's where if you want to criticize AJ Preller, criticize him for not developing from within, and mm-hmm. you know you're you're also going to say, well, he did develop from within. He used those players that he developed to acquire talent. Yeah. Okay. Abrams, I, Mackenzie Gore, right? No doubt. Yeah. Yeah, because that's how you got Juan Soto. So it, it would be tough for me to say and take AJ into the room and say, you know what, this this win loss record right now through May the twenty sixth is warranting your job mm. because I don't see it like that. I I do feel that AJ is a you know, he's trying to acquire talent the same way that Dave Dombrowski acquires talent. Yeah. Dave says this all the time. I just try to get the best players possible. And sometimes it doesn't fit. He's also gone to the World Series four times. He's a Hall of Fame executive. He's won it multiple times. Uh, and, you know, in the case of Dombrowski, he usually leaves scorched earth behind him mm-hmm. for the cost of winning. Yeah. This is the, what the cost of winning looks like. It's a higher payroll. It's prospects and if it fails it fails miserably that's that is the cost that's what it looks like the last last little piece for me attendance attendance for the san diego padres if i'm an owner i'm very happy about attendance yeah um (laughs) they're through the roof they're you know even though there's a lot of disappointment um in the case of san diego padres attendance and where they were a year ago versus this year they already know they're guaranteed to have 3 million fans through the gates. Man, that's wild. And that is good. It's good for business. I Listen, I'm not saying I even buy it. I just feel like I see it with some consistency. And maybe it's just because they're coming off a uh, tough loss. You know, they're thin. They're obviously dealing with some injuries. No, Manny Machado was a big one. Uh, Rudyard Odor batting fifth in that lineup. He's been fifth and first over the last couple of days, which it's not a knock on him. 
Um, you know, I liked him. We had him in Texas, but it's a little bit of a surprise to see him playing a prominent role right now on a team that just put together a really high payroll. He did hit a home run yesterday uh, in that Yankee series, and he did it against Garrett Cole, as did uh, Jake Cronenworth as well. But they lost that game 10 to 7, did the uh, San Diego Padres. And so they struggle. They continue to struggle 9 and 15 so far uh, in this month for uh, the Padres, and things just not going exactly the way that they had hoped. But they're too talented for this to continue. I do worry a little bit about you, Darvish. You know, is he starting to slide here a little bit? Is he getting a little bit too old? It's been an unbelievable career, and they just extended him. Um, so that scares me a little bit with them and, and the guy that you might expect to be able to, you know, kind of go head to head with another team's ace. I'm not sure if he's that guy anymore. So they got some question marks there that they got to answer. Um, we will see, but it's been a struggle so far and Padre fans not happy about it. Another team, uh, that is scuffling here. A couple that are, are, got me a little bit concerned now we'll stay on the American league East team. The one I was going to mention, but we'll be out of time because they're still a second place team are the Pittsburgh pirates, but they're 26 and 26. And they're 6-17 and 17 this month, which is kind of wild. But what about the Blue Jays? The Blue Jays, they're two games over, but they're 10 and a half games back. They had a players-only meeting uh, this week. It seems like they're searching for answers. Uh, it becomes problematic for them, I think. Three and seven over their last 10. I mentioned six games under. Making a lot of base running mistakes, like silly mistakes that are kind of frustrating to watch. Uh, no doubt, uh, which concerns me for them. You know, we talked a lot about Alec Manoa and you know, Jose Barrios. Barrios back on track. Manoa's still searching for it. Other starters have been good, except for Kikuchi, but the other guys have gotten it done. Um, they're a last place team, and I know it's a wild division right now. I'm starting to lose hope for my World Series pick in Toronto. My World Series pick too. <laughs> so uh, my my two World Series pick are are like they I've given them the kiss of death, and it's the Padres in Toronto. I think they're capable of both turning it around. I saw Toronto; they were coming off of a really tough week where they lost uh, to the Yankees, and then they got their tails kicked uh, by Baltimore. Baltimore is for real. Yankees are playing high caliber baseball, which is good. Red Sox are just kind of treading water and continue to just stay above. Uh, 500. They're just sneaky. Toronto, after watching them, it feels like they lost their mojo. Mm. Uh, it just felt like tough, tough week. Nothing going right. You know, you're, you're not when you when you pitch well, you don't hit well. When you hit well, you don't pitch well. Uh, you make a mistake on on defense, and the other team gets that extra out. And they, you know, they hammer you. So. You know, th this happens over the course of the year, CJ. Yeah. And we see it all the time. Like a team will go through a two week stretch of bad baseball. And then you, then you get a, a quality start. You get a day off like today. So right now, uh, Toronto has a day off. They're not playing on Memorial Day. Then they start up a series against Milwaukee. And then they're, they're off on the road and they have New York and Houston. Mm. Sometimes a day off like today, maybe hand the series, to, you know, take a series from Milwaukee see Kikuchi pitch well, see Manoa pitch well, Gosman pitch well, and maybe sweep a series. If that happens, you go to New York. New York, the Mets aren't playing well. They just lost a series to uh, Colorado. Like, they're, yeah. they're, not, they're not playing great. No, they're a mess too, man. It's kind of wild to see how bad, like, they have been, uh, how bad the Blue Jays have been. There's a lot of teams, man. It's kind of nuts. There's a lot of teams that had really high expectations. I mean, the Mets right now are a third-place team. They're looking up at the Marlins by a game right now. Here as we get closer, we're just a couple of days away from um, June, man. So that concerns me a little bit. Uh, what about the Pirates? I mean, it's just this division, obviously, has not been a great one. The Brewers lead it. They're three games over. They're leading by a game and a half uh, over the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, was the Were the Pirates just a kind of a fun story? Like We had talked about them quite a bit. Um, 
they slip in here or is this what we should have expected them to kind of come back to um, the mean a little bit of what we, who they, who we thought they were, are they, who we thought we were now and how they're playing here and how it's evened out. Um, or do they have some more of that April magic in them to make this thing interesting. Oh, they have April magic. Cause they're pitching the, you know, Oviedo and, and uh, Ortiz and, you know, the, the way Mitch Keller, Keller's been know. pitching. Yeah. I mean, like they, they have pitching the, the back end of the bullpen throws hard as hard as anything too. So I, th- I think they're, capable of, of playing 500 baseball. It's the same way I look at the Marlins. Marlins and the Pirates are really similar. They have really high upside pitching. Offensively, they're kind of stunted unless you have somebody that's swinging the bat exceptionally well. So Pittsburgh is is always going to struggle to score. I think part of the reason why they struggle to score, um, hitting in Pittsburgh is not easy. You know, hitting in Miami is not easy. And you start to get frustrated, especially if, if things aren't going exactly your way. You have to be willing to take your singles. Um, you're not going to pop homers in Pittsburgh. So I, I do think they're capable of, of hanging in there. I, I'm checking out what baseball reference thinks the Pirates were supposed to be, especially with the run differential. They're probably a below 500 team, according to baseball reference. They have that Pythagorean uh, calculator. Let's see what it, what, the, what it says about them. The Pythagorean says they should be 27 and 25. They're 26 and 26. Right. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're where they should be. I, I, I don't, I, I saw this team. They run the base as well. I mean, they're, they're just not overwhelming. Mm-hmm. No. And we, yeah. We've seen it. We've seen those teams. They're, they're just not, there's not enough, but they're, they're 500 or better. And if yeah. they go through a stretch, they could be better. If they get down on themselves, they'll be worse. And how about this? I don't know if you saw the story. Ken Rosenthal had it in talking to Andrew McCutcheon. Um, he's not done. And he talked about, you know, I looked at him quite honestly going into this season as a player that could help a contender as a platoon player. He's been much better than that. Here he is at 36 years old. He's having a really nice season. He's at eight home runs for them. Uh, the OPS at 817. His OPS plus of two, uh, excuse me, 123, uh, which is incredible to see from, I think, from Andrew McCutcheon. He was a 99 last year. He hasn't been this high. Uh, you got to go all the way back for a full season, back to 2017, that we've seen him at 123 or higher when we look at the OPS plus um, and kind of comparing him to the rest of the league. He says his body is feeling good, but I thought what was really interesting, he said he wants to keep going, but he only wants to do it in Pittsburgh. That's amazing. Love it. I mean, how can you not love that? The the reception, well, That's he lives there with his family. I mean, you, you just cool. want to give him a lifetime contract? <laughs> I don't know if they want to do that uh, or maybe it's just a, uh, you know, a 10 year contract, but each year is an option year. <laughs> just It's a team option every year. Yeah, uh, here it until is. They're a ready mil- a million bucks every year with some incentives you play until you, until you quit. Yeah. Um, I think I would do it at, I don't even know what he's making this year, whatever they gave him this year. And he's been great. Uh, let's look 5 billion. So 5 billion is going to be my number. Anyway, it's 5 billion a year club option every year until you're ready to be done. I can't give him a million. It's Andrew McCutcheon's bill. You can't give him a million. Give him five. Hey, by the way, Liam Hendricks back today here on Monday. How about that? Some of the greatest news we're going to get in baseball. That's going to be quite uh, the reception for him uh, when he puts that White Sox uniform on once again and pitching for them after his long battle and coming back from uh, cancer. Just incredible. Great story. Everyone likes this guy to begin with anyway. uh, You know, obviously this team has struggled mightily. Um, but they got to be pretty excited. And I don't know if they timed it and did it like this or not, uh, but it's good. It's going to be a home game. It's going to be a night game. It's not that many handful of night games today. 
Um, but they're playing the Angels. But we're going to see Liam Hendricks back in a big league mound, and we're very likely going to see it uh, in Chicago first. It's going to be a really cool moment for our game. I watched him throw a live session on Friday. He was, it was really cool. He is uplifting. The The presence he brings in the clubhouse is, is tangible. You can feel it when he's in the room. He has that type of presence. And uh, spent like a minute or two, you know, just connecting with him, seeing how he was doing. And uh, I asked him how his wife was doing. He was like, you know, my wife, Christy, it's like, uh, thanks for asking. She's the one that, uh, you know, she she had to go through this thing and be, you know, positive the whole time while I'm trying mm-hmm. to go. And, and, you know, I it was like, I had down days. It was like, but I I could not have done it without my wife. Um, and and oftentimes we 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 overlook the caretaker or the spouse that is going through these moments. You know, we we celebrate the person that that was able to overcome it. And almost always the person that's able to overcome something, uh, especially like this, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, you know, like we're so proud of Liam, but like his wife, Christy, deserves a ton uh, mm. of, and cause he, he literally says it. He was like, I, I don't, I don't think I would have done this as fast without her. Oh, so it's brutal. pretty cool to hear that. It is awesome. And another comeback story, uh, certainly exciting for Atlanta Braves and their fans. We know that they have had issues uh, with their rotation and trying to stay healthy. It's starting to come together here a little bit. Uh, but Michael Soroka is going to start for the Atlanta Braves. He hasn't pitched in a game since 2020 at the big league level, right? Missed all of 21, missed a good amount of 2022 at some minor league rehab, just kept getting hurt and hurt. Eight starts for him at the minor league level. Now, he hadn't been pitching that well, been okay uh, for him, and I think that's part of the reason why we haven't seen him yet. Uh, the strikeouts and walks have been good. 4.33 ERA for him in his eight starts in AAA, just one win over that time. I think this becomes a little bit about necessity as well, but that'll be a nice moment for the Atlanta Braves, more importantly for them. He's still only 25 years old, uh, which is kind of crazy, right? All these injuries that he has gone through. He'd been uh, really impactful. We saw him make 29 starts in 2019, and he won 13 games. Had a 2.68 ERA, was an all-star, finished sixth in the Cy Young Award voting, second in Rookie of the Year. Like It looked like they had themselves a really impressive young starter. He did it in his age 21 season. Injuries have gotten in the way. He is back. Not that they're looking for a boost necessarily, but the idea of getting better and trying to overcome some of these injuries that they've had in the rotation uh, in Atlanta, like Kyle Wright right now and Kobe Allard, Max Freed, guys that are unable to take the mound. This could provide a nice boost if he can recapture some of that old form. And perfect timing to because there's a couple off days coming up for Atlanta. So uh, he'll get a start today, and then he's scheduled to start again on June the 4th. So the built-in off day gives him six days to recover. And you, you also help out uh, a guy like Spencer Strider, who threw last night, threw the, <laughs> threw the ball well. I can't believe uh, Spencer Strider has 106 strikeouts already. <laughs> it's a nice oh season, my, oh but it's not God, June 1st that's, yet. Yeah. That's crazy. He's got 63 innings pitched and 106 strikeouts. <laughs> He's just pitching everyone's tickets. Uh, it's, it's really nice to get... Mike Soroka back. I mean, that guy's sinker was one of the best in the sport. So mm. hopefully he comes and he does Mike Soroka things. And this is still a team that's missing out on Max Freed. So we're, we're waiting to get Freed back. They are looking stronger and stronger every single time we watch them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, they're again, the Braves are really good. Braves are the best team in the national league. They're not, they're not even budging. So good luck rest of the national league, especially if they get to full strength. 
32 and 21 right now for the Atlanta Braves. Same amount of wins as the Dodgers have in the National League West, but the Dodgers have one more loss. So that is your best team record-wise right now in the National League. Spilly, uh, I know you got studio today with the uh, Colorado Rockies in Arizona. Enjoy it. Get outside and enjoy the rest of Memorial Day afterwards. I love these day games. I am in Detroit. It's nice to be back, staying up in uh, Birmingham, and I uh, get to do play-by-play uh, for the next three days. And then uh, already lining up a cigar for tonight. There's a nice little cigar bar here in Birmingham. I'm assuming it's still here. I've been here in a year. So uh, keep your fingers crossed for me. All right. Enjoy your Memorial Day. Uh, enjoy your next couple of days until Spilly and I check in. Once again, no loud outs uh, for you and I this week because of our schedules on the radio side. I am working just on Friday. But everyone else has got you covered. Different days with Brad Lidge and Chris Jimenez and, of course, Spilly as well. So we hope you listen to the radio show on Sirius XM Channel 89. It is now, by the way, huge announcement. I probably should have led this off. 2 to 5 Eastern time. We are an hour earlier now on MLB Network Radio, which we're all very uh, excited about. We all love the circumstances that led up to it, uh, but we'll take it. It works out really well for our schedules, and that should get you a little bit more uh, CJ and Spilly on the radio side as well. Okay, with that being said, we appreciate you guys listening, as always, to the Loud Outs Podcast. Have a great day, everybody. Sirius XM Podcasts.